one day we need to do an episode on pastor's wives. Okay. Don't make th- the church needs to hear it. What do they need to hear? They need to hear what it's like being a pastor's wife. So let's talk about it since we're a couple of people who know pastor's wives. Welcome to the Fire and Bones podcast. I'm Michael Crosswhite, pastor of Emmanuel Baptist Church in Tuscaloosa, Alabama. And I am Nathan Loudon, the pastor of Millwood Baptist Church in Austin, Texas. Follow the podcast, rate it. Thanks for listening, and we hope you enjoy this week's episode. I do, th- I do think it's... It's a subject that does not get talked about enough. And there's a new there's a new podcast uh, that Nine Marks did. Uh, yeah, I saw that. What's it called? What, Priscilla's talk or something like that. Something. It's uh, Carrie Fulmer, I think, John Fulmer's wife from the UAE, and uh, I think there was one other. But one of the first episodes, actually, I think like the the launch episode was Jonathan Lehman interviewing uh, those women. One of the questions was about being a pastor's wife, and when you got married, did you think you were going to be a pastor's wife? Did you know you were signing up for this? Right. Was it going to be, um, you know, was this like your life dream to be married to a pastor? Yeah. You know. <laughs> we I don't remember how many years it was into marriage. And pastoral ministry that Colette expressed to me her her plan was not to marry a pastor. That it kind of happened by accident, which I guess, you know, who who says that? Right. Um, but I remember thinking, what? <laughs> yeah. Like it was, re- it was kind of a revelation to me. I'll say this. Colette has proven to be more mature, steadfast, and caring about other people than I knew when we got married. She's been a, oh, she has been, she is a, a, a great pastor's wife. So let me. Um, so is does this mean that you're in the doghouse, and is this your way of getting out? <laughs> exactly, Colette. I hope you're listening to this. I want to make sure to send her this episode. Yeah. (laughs) No. But I I think I'll just, I mean, I just think there's a a lot of pressure and expectations and, um, you know, preconceived notions about Colette because she is a pastor's wife that she has handled better than others. Mm -hmm. I I know. I'm hearing, um, but uh, and so so for that reason, I think at our church probably some people who might not have any other experience might not have grasp of what it's like to be a pastor's wife mm-hmm. in in our church. Um, some do, I know, cause, because Colette has real relationships with women in our church, and she tells them. And, like, 
you know, we, I, I know some of the people that Colette talks to and, you know, just, mm-hmm. she actually talks to them about her life mm-hmm. and what she's dealing with and asks for prayer and, <clears throat> and that's a big deal. Um, so, so yeah, um, I mean, would, would, would you say, I mean, what would you say from your perspective? Are there expectations that you were surprised that a, a, a church put on your wife? Ex, you know, were you surprised by pressures, expectations, preconceived notions about what a pastor's wife should be? Or maybe lower than what, what they should be? Or did you kind of have a good grasp coming into pastoral ministry of this is what it should be like, this is what it is like, my my church is nailing it. They just, they understand. There's always going to be things that frustrate and things that help, right? In, mm-hmm. in um, I, I think being, a, um, and I'm, I'm just speaking kind of out of turn, I feel like, because you know, I'm speaking for my spouse mm-hmm. there's there's always um things that people think a pastor's wife should do and be mm-hmm. but that doesn't necessarily mean that those are unrealistic expectations and that that's the only pressure that the pastor's wife feels you know mm-hmm. th- there are p- pressures that i think she feels that she puts on herself even uh, mm-hmm. of things that she thinks she's supposed to be. So like everybody has expectations for what they think this person, mm-hmm. whether it's the pastor or even a deacon or, or pastor's wife or elder's wife or whatever, um, what they are supposed to be and do. And some of those are good things and some of those are, are maybe unhealthy things, but you know, that that's not the only complicating factor in it is other people's expectations. Mm-hmm. It's also the expectations mm-hmm. of the person coming in of saying, what do I expect the church to be and do and things like that. And so, yeah. And not, not to mention the, the pastor husband's expectations. Yeah. So I think, be right or wrong. yeah, I think everybody is probably more just, uh, I, I would speak more commonly of just the Christian experience, maybe even just the human experience of us having expectations that are not not spoken of other people this is what you should do to fulfill me you know and I, i you know i tend to think um that that's it's probably not good that we have a lot of expectations of other people that are unspoken if they if they are expectations, they should be spoken. They should be agreed upon, mm-hmm. so that each party knows what the other expects of them, right? And if there are expectations that someone else isn't meeting that are unspoken, then you probably should either let those go or speak them, right? Because mm-hmm. otherwise, they can't know. So I think you know, coming in, there's. Uh, the, a large bit of frustration or suffering or uh, struggle, you know, a lot of that is alleviated by everybody just sitting down at the table and going, here was the expectations I had, here's the expectations I had, how come we can't meet these expectations, 
you know, let's agree upon what our expectations should be. So I think when you come into a church, like uh, as a new pastor and, and, and a pastor's wife, it's impossible to lay all those things out on the table from day one. You can't do it. It, it, there's no way that that you can possibly even know all the scenarios going on inside the church or you know all the situations that might arise or all the needs that might come up from day to day there's no way you can know all those things and so it's it, it's almost like the the issue that we're kind of thinking about with a pastor's wife is a microcosm of a bigger issue inside a church which is our expectations of other people and how they minister to us. And so, mm-hmm. you know, I, I think um, it's best as like a, I think when a church gets healthier, it's not that their expectations of the pastor's wife become less or, or maybe even more appropriate, but it's that they communicate their desires for that person and what they expect of that yeah. person better. But do you think churches generally have right expectations of pastor's wives in your experience that they have unrealistic expectations of pastor's wives yeah do you find them to be realistic unrealistic biblical and what's been what's your experience um i i think yeah there there are some uh less healthy um i think there are some less healthy notions of what a pastor's wife should be sure and I think a lot of those unhealthy expectations are uh, in the line of in the vein of well you and your wife are a package deal um, mm-hmm. you know meaning and, and there's a right way to think about that in a wrong way I think the right way to think about that is we don't want to hire a pastor whose wife is going to prohibit his ministry. Right. Um, so that's, that's, that's true that in that sense, they, they come together, they're one flesh. Um, but then there's the other thing of like, well, if he's here, we also get a pianist or we also get a, you know, a counselor or we get a, we get a women's ministry. Yeah. We get a, whatever, you know, that's unpaid, you know, I I don't think that that's fair either. Um, so I think there are some unhealthier ex- expectations of pastor's wives that fall under those categories. She has to be all things to all people. She has to have the same kind of ministry that her husband has. Um, you know, th- those are... Same gifts. Yeah, she has to have the same gifts. She has to be able to stand up and speak. And, and you know, my wife in particular is not that way. She is not, uh, she is not the stand up in front of everybody and lead something. She is very much the work behind the scenes person. She is the kind to drop off flowers at a doorstep or a cake at someone's doorstep mm-hmm. and, and maybe leave a card or maybe not even say anything about it. Um, you know, that's, that is certainly more her gifting. Does she, does she ever just like make buttercream, buttermilk cream pie and just like give it to people? Not buttermilk cream pie. You, I think you mean buttermilk pie. Buttermilk pie. Yeah. That's what I meant. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Frequently. So like, it's pretty common around here where we do, you know, somebody's in the hospital or somebody's doing X, Y, or Z and, um, and they, uh, you know, we, we set up a meal sign up list for them across the church and, you know, it'll be three times a week. Somebody will go over to their, their house and, uh, drop off something. And, and, uh, normally when it's our turn to make something uh she'll make desserts she'll make a buttermilk pie is normally on the list and sometimes people yeah. are requesting 
<laughs> Sometimes people would be like, <laughs> those buttermilk pies would be bad. <laughs> that, that's, one, that's an example of like exceeding expectations. The buttermilk yeah. pie. I've had it. I'm just saying like <laughs> not every pastor's wife can do that. My wife can. Some can't. Yeah. It's a special gift. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> it's hard whenever I, I see her making a buttermilk pie because normally she makes enough for two shells. And I'm like, I, if people, if too many people get sick or, you know, are in pain or whatever, and we have to deliver yeah. meals, I'm going to be just a large, large person, you know, because yeah. Yeah. they're not low in calorie. That's for sure. Yeah. When we, when Colette and I got married, we moved to Hong Kong and started working at international, I started working at International Baptist Church and she so she would have been 22 23 right out of college and and when i say right out of college i mean her dad said we couldn't get married until we got until she graduated college and i was respectful of that i think it was a great idea so she graduated uh, a semester early in december we got married in january so just get that as soon as possible but she we landed in hong kong and the women's ministry was a team of older women and we just showed up i mean we had just gotten off the boat so to speak and they wanted her to be the leader of the women's ministry team in another country and i think that was one example and she said no because she was like i need i need some old woman to disciple me <laughs> like i'm a disciple that that needs help and um so I would say that was one one kind of way where there's just kind of an assumption um, that there's a there's just something there, you know. And I would say sometimes that could be that could be extended from a false idea, false expectation of a, what a pastor is supposed to be. That uh, a pastor is supposed to be kind of this other level perfection, all knowing, has answers for everything kind of person hmm. you know there are biblical character qualifications that a, a pastor must meet to be an elder or a pastor there is a giftedness of teaching that a pastor should have sometimes I can get a little bit bloated into you know like a like a weird reverence as if you're not a you're not like everybody else you know as a as a pastor I'm a member of our church first and my giftedness and my calling and what this church has appointed me to do is be the pastor of this church. Mm. Um, but I'm a Christian and a sinner trying to walk daily in forgiveness and repentance and trying to grow as a Christian in maturity um, like, every, like everyone else. So I don't know. I, I think that's, that's fair that sometimes the in overinflated view of the office of pastor, not even a particular person, but just the idea of what a pastor is, if it's, if it's inflated beyond biblical expectation, that can be extended to spouse as well. Yeah, and, and I think so much of this, you know, uh, I somewhat feel out of turn, you know, speaking about just necessarily pastors' wives and, and expectations that are on them. I think really it's, it's, a, it's a bigger issue with just the way people think about pastors in general in the church. Mm-hmm. And yeah. in some ways, there's not enough importance on the pastor. And then in other ways, there's 
too much importance. And I think you see it differently mm-hmm. in different churches. Um, when there's too much importance placed on the pastor, there's, you know, private parking spots and there's, he's the, he's the, uh, I think the, the way I've heard it expressed sometimes where I think it's out of order is, uh, the Lord's anointed, um, you know, like he's the King of Israel and, you know, don't reach out your hand against the Lord's anointed kind of thing. And, um, there's that level of almost like kingship, which is inappropriate, I think. Um, and, but then I think there's, and, and and I think too, uh, where it reaches beyond the boundary border is, uh, is when, um, the pastor is sort of expected, the pastor, maybe even his family, his wife too, is expected to do all the ministry. You know, anytime someone is sick, anytime someone is, needs counseling, anytime someone has an issue, the pastor is the one shouldering all those burdens. And yep. that can't possibly be done. I mean, you can't yep. get the church beyond four people and that actually be done. I can't even do that in my own family, you know? Yeah, it's unbiblical. Yeah, and it's a, yeah, it's an it's, unbiblical view of the pastor. The pastor's office is, we're talking about this in our building block on Sunday morning on membership. The pastor's role is to equip the saints to do the work of the ministry, to build one another up, serve each other, care for each other love each other that's the work of the spirit in acts 2 I haven't gotten there i got you know i'm still like half a year away from the end of acts 2 <laughs> but mostly because of all the vacations right? <laughs> the, the, the spirit comes they sell their possessions they spend time together that's an out that's an outpouring of the holy spirit right, right. um it's having all things in common and i think that, that that's i think a you know probably even more appropriate for us in terms of discussing just because you know how do i how do i even say what andrea's expectations or experience is like inside the church um but but it really speaks to what is the culture of the church actually thinking about the pastor about his family about the elders in the church about the deacons about um the sunday school teacher about the people that are around them, their friends in the church, and how do we actually build a church that less focuses on a top-down, that's the guy, and all, and he, he ministers to every one of us, versus we are led by him through the preaching of the word and through his use of, the, of his gift, but that leads yeah. us to use our gifting, and we all have all things in common. We share with one another all the gifts that the Lord has given to us, you know, which is a healthier way to do that. And when that is ordered appropriately in the church as a whole, I think then the wife is one of those members, you know, who both yeah, gives she's her, a, she's a good member. Yeah, she gives yeah. her gift and she gives it freely, yeah. but then she also is ministered to by the people in the church. Yeah. 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 I totally agree. Um, I, I'm so thankful for our church. When I, interviewed to come here one of the things you know i expressed and we discussed was my wife doesn't play the piano so you know that's you know you have to ask um she's this is not a two for one this is not a you know she she gets to put she's going to put in hours for free she um you know she's going to be a member and she's going to serve where god's filled her to call you know god's called her to serve as she can have been gifted and and other than that she's going to we're going to be husband and wife. We're going to be a family. We're going to be members. Yeah. You know, total agreement with that. I think our church has done better than most churches, I think, in their expectations of 
and I just think our church relates well to me as a pastor and to her as Christians walking in faith together. Yeah. There's not some like, oh, that's that's the pastor. You can't, you know. I, at least I hope that's true. I feel that's true. So, I'm th- I'm thankful for that. At the same time, I do see some ways where there is still like this little bit of she she of all the people in the church, she probably has an answer. Or of all the people, I'll ask to pray for me. I'll ask I'll ask her. Um, and I don't know that that's a bad thing. Well, I think that. There might also be some good, some some good extension of what do you think a pastor is? Yeah, you know, like you you would expect. There's a good sense in which he would go, that's a woman, who's modeling faith, who I could talk to or ask to pray for me or, trust and confidence or, um, get a help on a question about marriage or discipleship or parenting or theology. Uh, what the Bible says about something like there's a good there's a there's a good kind of echo of if there's good expectations then those good expectations are going to flow too yeah well um, so but I would way. say also um, that is in particular a gifting that the Lord has given to Colette and um, like I've I've known both of you since college you've known me and Andrea since college yeah. Um, um, or I should say, we've all known each other since college. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> in college, Colette was one of three people, probably, that I knew that would, at any given moment, ask me how my relationship with Jesus was. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, <laughs> so Colette has this sort of uh, counseling... Um, listening, uh, intercessory prayer type disposition Mm. for other people. And she cares how other people are walking through the the world, right? Right. How other Christians are. And I'm assuming non-Christians too, but I can only speak to the Christians. And, (laughs) and, uh, I've heard good things. I mean, don't get me wrong, but, uh, (laughs) So, so I'm. I would say, you know, from our, from our perspective, from my perspective, a lot of the reasons probably why, especially ladies in your church, think that, hey, if anyone has the answer, Colette does, is because of the way she walks, and and the gifting yeah. that she's demonstrated to the people in the church. Yeah. You know, Andrea, I don't think senses that same kind of pressure. Um, yeah. You know, and, but might sense the same kind of pressure for Andrea has a, 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 a nature that just sort of wants to make everything better. You know what I mean? I don't know what yeah. that is. I don't know how you, what you call that, but she <laughs> likes to, uh, make beautify things. She likes to, if someone's, you know, hurting or whatever, she might do something kind for them to try to yeah. brighten up their day a little bit more. She's not, she's not the kind to like counsel a bunch of people or, or like I say, speak in public or anything like that. And so, um, you know, I think it just depends. And so I I would say probably the church, our church might not, um, not unrealistically, but sort of have an expectation that she does that, but not, not in a bad way. I don't mean it in a bad way. I just mean kind of think like, oh, this needs 
you know, this needs sprucing up or something like that. We'll call Andrea. You know what I mean? And and yeah. that's kind of their yeah. their probably their first thought in a lot of cases. Yeah. And um, but I think that's just because that's the that's the gifting that she's demonstrated. So I think it's in a healthy way that some things like that yeah. come about. And and I think with yeah. everybody, if you have a person in your church who is really gifted at graphic design. And they've yep. they've blessed the church maybe in a couple different ways with some advertisements or something like that. How right. how quickly do you think it's going to be before the church begins to kind of push on that gift a little bit more and ask yep. for it and maybe even inappropriate ways? And, and I think that's going to be true yep. of everyone. You got a person who sure. who is really good at plumbing. Uh, well, we got a broken toilet. Can you come fix it? You know what I mean? Like so, there's yep. always going to be that in just a living organism some abuses yeah. that go on unintentionally maybe or maybe even sinfully yeah. that that will have to and be corrected a, and in the first corinthians 12 way constantly you know what you're talking about is kind of how we understand the gifts in the first corinthians 12 way like what's the most important gift what matters what's most useful how is it useful and we're we're very prone to think really highly of certain gifts and really low of certain other gifts and you know neglect some giftedness and forget every every part of the body is needed you know the, the finger the ear the nose there's, there's just nothing that we can't say we don't we don't need yeah um yeah I, I think you're you're right that we can so easily think disproportionately uh about anyone's uh anyone's gift sets and i'll say too like i don't i i i don't remember who it was that said this a while back, so I'm not going to try to attribute it, but I think it was someone wise <laughs> who, said, who said pastors, and maybe maybe it was Jonathan Lehman on that podcast, but I'm not, but don't quote me. Pastors' wives tend to kind of fall into two two categories, where sometimes wives of pastors get disenfranchised, they get discouraged, or they. They don't want to have anything to do with the church. They don't know their place. They uh, and, and their it puts kind of a special responsibility on the pastor to to gently encourage them to be involved in the church and to make relationships and serve. And then there are others <coughs> who, for various reasons, are uh, are more prone to being overloaded and sign up for everything, say yes to everything, yeah. try to meet every need, show up every time the doors are open. And I don't even know if that's a fair dichotomy, but in, in general, I, th- I think I found that to be, uh, to be true just in talking with other pastors over the years. But my, my point that I'm trying to get at is it also becomes a challenge for me to know how to husband my wife first, pastor her second, I think, uh, in, in that kind of dynamic too. Because that can be, I can really doubly bind my wife's conscience hmm. if I say, "Sweetheart, you really be at this thing." Well, now her husband and her pastor hmm. is saying, "Let's go do this," mm-hmm. and uh, and and so I, I don't think I've done that hmm. well enough or intentionally enough over the years. Um, usually, uh, when we come to a place of you know, kind of, you know, feeling overwhelmed or you know, having questions. Um, um, there's just a moment where I have to decide, do I really push her or do I really relieve the pressure? Mm. Or 
Um, but I'm just, my point is there's a kind of a challenge there as a husband pastor to that one woman <laughs> where there's just a lot yeah. that's in that dynamic for her because she can't go talk to her pastor about what her husband's <laughs> saying about her, 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 her church service. She talks to you other know, people, like, though. I'm telling you. Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> she she'd been texting to Andrea yeah. and let her know. Um, you know, but in in all honesty, she will text to Andrea from time to time. Just ask her how she's doing. Uh, again, yeah. kind of the same kind of kind of deal. Take she yeah. does take on other people's burdens. I think, um, but um, yeah, I mean, I, I think too we forget. Uh, I forget all the time as uh, pastor and husband that my wife's engaged in ministry every single day. She homeschools our children, um, mm-hmm. and she is uh, her ministry is uh, planting trees, you know, and mm-hmm. she's a she's you know an arborist, I guess you would say, for these three little trees that are growing in our in our house, you know, and um, yeah. and she has to tend to them every single day, and it's it, it, you know you you look at sometimes we get you know. He, kind of siloed this is our ministry and this is what i'm doing and uh andrea or colette why don't you be a part of it or wife why don't you be a part of it you need to go to this you need to do that and not thinking that she is in full-time ministry right now yeah um and she's as as you know in homeschooling our children and doing all those kinds of things it's it's a constant effort dealing with you trying to to put up with you and you help i mean come on Come on, I mean, you ain't got no clue. Full I mean, time, full time role here. <laughs> I mean, she has to care for her husband when the Cowboys just flame out in the playoffs, and he is just at his lowest, and he's mad at everything, and just says, "I told you, I knew it was gonna happen. I, I do it every year." Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. Do you, do you, on a weekly basis, uh, this is kind of a side note. Does does Andrea comment on your sermons, or do you ask for her feedback regularly? I do. I, I go in when I go in when I go into uh, the house when I get home. I kind of look at her and I go, "Well," <laughs> and she knows. <laughs> she she knows that's the and whatever she says, that's how it actually went. You you could be feeling great about it. But if she says, I didn't even understand your main point, the illustration confused me, it doesn't matter how you feel. And, no, she's not really, she's not that, <laughs> uh, she's not that anal- analytical about it. She's, she kind of yeah. is more like a feel kind of person. Like how, what yeah. was the, what was the, the feeling of it? And, um, and so she doesn't give like specific critiques. It's more like, uh, I, I'll go, well, and she goes, she Almost always, it'll start with, well, that was good. And I can tell, it's always, I thought it was good, but it, 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 it I can tell by the tone how good that was, yeah. right? Yeah. I, yeah. I thought it was good. It's like the guy that, you know, yeah. he, he struck out, but the, he, it was able to get the base runner from first to second, you know, by, yeah. you know, whatever, drawing attention. Yeah the picture or something yeah. i don't know but um you know so, like he comes back to the dugout and he, after he strikes out and and the person's like oh that was good yeah that was, yeah. That was good yeah it was good and bad yeah, yeah. you know <laughs> it's like that and you're like oh that was a strikeout and then there's other times yeah. where it'll be like 
that was really good, you know, or I thought it was good, yeah. you know, and then you, then you go, yeah. okay, it was, it was a lot better than what it was. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but it's always that, that to, it's tonal. You have to sense it. Yeah, exactly. Oh yeah. Oh man. The, the, the ability, we're off on a whole sidetrack here, but the ability to, to speak the unspoken language, Bicled and I, is, uh, it's, I think it's next level. Like, like we're probably overshooting what we actually can understand from one another. <laughs> I feel like we could have a whole conversation across the table and never say words, just make facial expressions. Yeah. <laughs> that kind of thing. So, yeah. Clit, we used to, I think we used to talk about my sermons more because we would come home and have lunch on Sundays, but more and more over the years, there's just an understanding. I'm probably going to lunch with somebody or we might go to lunch with somebody. Um, and that window of the sermon just happened isn't uh, as close as it used to be. So yeah. we don't talk about it as, as often as we used to. Yeah. Um, yeah. I I wish I would have... I wish I would have known earlier on the... But the funny thing is I, I grew up in a pastor's home. And I saw, I think... I, I think what I saw growing up most was my I couldn't tell so much the church's expectations of my mom but I could I could kind of perceive that she felt there were expectations right by what she did yeah you know um, I can't put my finger on it um, about what that might be but um, I think that was definitely there but I've got a bunch of preachers in my family even pastors cousins uncles so i feel like i've i feel like i'm pretty familiar yeah. with it I, with kind of that dynamic but again i think you know i think this is part of the reason why we have to really fight as pastors leading the churches leading our churches to to train and equip them to do the work of ministry right like we can't i don't think i, I think as i've just been more convicted maybe even over the last few years, that that is my principal job, is to train and equip the saints for the work of ministry. And that comes through the preaching of the word, preaching and teaching of the word. And when I fail to do that, that job, that task, invariably what happens is the church gets out of whack in its expectations of me uh, all of a sudden, the pastor becomes the main show, and mm-hmm. uh, and if I and then my wife gets overburdened and overtaxed, she's not doing what she's gifted at. She's doing all the other things that she's not gifted at, and she's being overused. Uh, or any other member feels that way, right? But when the saints, I think, are trained and equipped to do the work of ministry, each one then starts to work according to their gifting. And when they do mm-hmm. that, and they do really only that, they're giving what they can to the church, and the church is mutually benefiting from it. And no one's being abused mm-hmm. in that process. Yeah. And I don't mean abused in the criminal sense. I mean abused in the, in just the kind of more generic sense, you know, of yeah. of uh, taking advantage of in in one way or another, in in harmless and innocent sort of ways. Yeah, yeah, and I think there's also a sense in which pastors 
wives shouldn't be unduly protected from their church calling them to do things when there's a need. Yeah. You know, like you, you could potentially say, hey, pastor's wife, right. don't ask her to do right. anything. You She's know? not off limits. When, yeah, yeah I, I was so thankful in Tom Schreiner's book on the spiritual gifts. It, it's like we, we don't we don't start first with a postmodern individualistic identity questions about spiritual gifts. How has God made you? Mm-hmm. What, what's your what, how are you unique? You know, mm-hmm. oh, God, God has really made me a. Uh, a graphic designer who preaches at conferences and uh, you know I make donuts okay we don't need any of those three things we need someone to watch the babies right, right. on Sunday morning uh, can you can you are you gifted to do that can you do that uh, so I think I was thankful for that in his book that was really helpful for me thinking about giftedness is right it, it's not first about how you're all different right, right. What, what do you do right but about the, ch- the church needs things yeah yeah so it's a constant dynamic, like anyone else, for the pastor's wife to go. We need things to get. We need things. Yeah. We need help. We, we need things to get done. Yeah. You might find yourself doing things that are a little bit outside your comfort zone. That might be stretching you. That are sanctifying to you. And and that's good. And that's okay. And pastors shouldn't go. Hey, sweetheart, you don't have to do that because you're pastor's wife. You don't have to bear any burdens not yours. And you could potentially use yeah. that pastor's wife dynamic to keep them from doing things that could actually bless the body. And help them grow and stretch them. Right. Um, you can make that. You can make that mistake too. Yeah. And but I think too, there's also things that the church. Let's say the church needs that um, are are general and not specific. So you know, holding babies requires two arms. Therefore, anyone that has two arms is gifted to do that. <laughs> anyone that will pass a background check. and pass yeah. a background check is yeah. gifted to do that. You know, it's like when you say giftedness. There's 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 broad giftedness, meaning you have the yeah. ability because you have a strong back to be able to chop some weeds that we got you know growing in the playground, you know or whatever. Yeah. You got a bottle of Roundup, so you're 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 equipped, you're qualified, you know, to do that. Yeah. And then, um, but then there's also specific gifts. You know, we have an ESL ministry that we've been doing, which uh, I've been really encouraged by. Um, and there's several ladies. One of the reasons we did it was because we were looking around our church, and I was like, there's four ladies in our church that have a background in teaching ESL. You know, I th- and we, we have a desire, a broad desire across our congregation of people wanting to reach international people. And so I'm like, mm-hmm. you know, I think the Lord is calling us to an ESL ministry here. <laughs> you know? And, uh, you know, some things you're just like, let's just throw those out there. And I think it will, you know, I think it will work. But uh, so there's there's specific giftings that they have that, they, that, that I think they could, you know, we could take advantage of in that sense of like, of actually doing yeah. some real work for the kingdom. And, and so those are specific skills that are perhaps not so much general that should be utilized. Yeah. And yeah, the pastor's wife isn't off limits for that. My wife holds babies every week, you know, in yeah. the nursery. So it's, yeah. and I, I think there's, you know, for, for a pastor's wife, you can assume that you have more, you can demand more from them. Like they owe the church something more but you could also do that if someone who's retired recently go oh you're retired now okay so we're signing you up for everything you know oh your kid graduated from high school so what are you doing okay now you're now you're on call you know we we can make all kinds of right uh you know false 
unbiblical expectations just based on circumstances uh, from time to time. So, um, yeah, and I, I think, too, like what I think about our associate pastor who's newly married, uh, just had a baby, and, you know, I have... I've counseled him over and over. He probably doesn't need it. He's a, a really mature brother. But I've just encouraged him and tried to reaffirm over and over, um, go home to your wife. Mm-hmm. Make your wife your priority. Mm-hmm. You can, you'll be dragged to church for eternity. Mm-hmm. And you'll you'll be, there's mo- always more hours. There's always more to do. Uh, make sure to make sure that, you know, she and, and home is a priority. Yeah. It's okay. It's okay. Yeah. You're not betraying the church by doing that yeah um and in just speaking about his his wife you know like it's there there's no hey she ought to be over here she ought to be doing this yeah. hey she ought to be you know she's serving is she helping make disciples is she a faithful member right praise god praise god is she is she helping and, and serving her her husband at, at home praise god right um because uh, it, it it's so hard to get those things, so easy I should say to get those things out of balance mm. and, and misperceived. Yeah, I think it's even easy. It, it's even potentially easy as a pastor to put expectation on other pastors' wives. At times, I could I I could I could see myself doing that. Um, like elders in the church, un- elders in the church, staff pastors, yeah. um, expecting them to do give more time yeah. to something uh, which has never been a problem I, our our pastor's wives you know are uh, uh, working tirelessly in so many ways which brings up another thought for me you know like I even even after all these years of having transitioned to plurality of leaders I and some of my elders when we think about pastors we immediately think about staff pastors mm-hmm. and we have four pastors at our church, two that we would call lay elders and two that are staff pastors. But those are pastors' wives too. And watching them as lay elders become lay elders, I think their wives thinking of themselves and our church's thinking of them changed. Mm. And it should mm. in some ways. Mm. Uh, obviously it should. Um, and at the same time, I think there's been... Um, there's just a, all the dynamic that we've been talking about. It's there. It's there too. Mm. It's not just the senior staff, vocational paid pastor. Mm. Um, and I, I think too, there's oftentimes in those dynamics, lay or staff, opportunities to feel, um, to, to wrestle with how you're being judged by the church. Mm going to be a pastor you're going to come under greater judgment Mm -hmm. that's what james says you're going to be more strictly judged Mm -hmm. um but being a pastor is kind of like living in a glass house Mm -hmm. Uh, and that's part of the job Mm -hmm. you know your quality your quality your resume for this job isn't uh just seminary yeah it's it's your house yeah that's part of the resume yeah um i think that creates Dynamics that are difficult to explain to someone who's not living like sure. that. Sure, yeah. Where your your life and your house is regularly, whether you feel it or or not, 
and typically you do feel it most often you probably feel it even when it isn't yeah but being judged and perceived and calculated and um rightfully so yeah for the qualification of the pastor um but sometimes that that can be for a pastor's wife that could that can be just feeling like like for example th- this is one struggle i saw growing up when i when i was growing up my as a pastor's son my um our, our church parsons that we lived in in east texas a great house owned by the church was like 200 yards from our church mm-hmm. like just right yeah. around this little turn and our church our home actually had a church phone in it so we had two yeah. landlines we had our phone with one phone number and over on the piano in the corner we had the church phone yeah. 544-3132 and you could call the church and whenever you called the church that phone would ring at our house and I saw even my dad wrestle with going to oh yeah we, we did often yeah um, but wrestling with never really leaving the ch- work yeah. in the church and wanting to make home a place you could go get away for a little bit and just rest yeah uh, and I think no matter what you do that's a that's a wrestle for a pastor's wife yeah you know when, when your home is a qualification for your husband's job it's really easy to find yourself anxious that we're we're just constantly in public scrutiny yeah it's you know. we've talked about this as a staff I've talked about this with other members of the church especially when it pertains to hours that the pastors keep and uh, ministers keep and things like that and it's difficult to explain to somebody who's not in it but if uh, the be- the only way I, I uh, or the best way I found to explain it is to say if an engineer it becomes a workaholic and just continues to stay at work all hours of the day and eventually his wife leaves him and his kids are unruly you know where he goes to work he goes back to his same job of being an engineer a pastor loses his job when that happens he becomes unqualified for pastoral ministry now whether or not another church hires him is a totally other matter and a subject for a different podcast yeah not a big deal in the SBC. yeah 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 yeah. apparently fine uh cheats on his wife (laughs) apparently that's okay now i guess um in so many churches but whatever all right but but you know so for the pastor there is a need and and for the church even to understand the need that yes there's ministry but his ministry is first and foremost to his own family and it has to be that way because and it's not a problem if all the rest of the church is sharing the heavy lifting if the focus becomes only on that one man and that's the view of the pastor then his ministry to his family is a is causes the church to spiral into dysfunction and they begin to feel lost because the pastor's not always attending to me or this that and the other but when the when the view of the pastor is kind of held in the right balance his ministry to his family is looked at as an example for how we should minister to our families as husbands and is uh, is also a ministry to the church in the way that he ministers to his family. So you don't want the pastor's kids to be kind of like the cobbler's kids who have no shoes. You know, like you don't want 
the pastor's kids to be deprived of his own pastoral ministry to them. And you and and so you as a church, we're trying to are trying to keep in balance. This guy delivers the word to us. He's going to set the vision for the church and lead the church in that sense through the preached word. But and we're going to respond to that. But we're all going to do the heavy lifting of ministry because he's training through the preaching of the word. He's training and equipping us for the work of ministry, and therefore he is allowed to not only do that but also minister to his family first and foremost. So when that when it comes to you know time away from the office or going to tend to the affairs at home and things like that, there should be a little bit of a give and take there. You know, from the allowance of him being able to go to go home and tend to needs that are there at home because. That's that is his primary ministry that he's been called into, and yes, you do live in this sort of glass house, and if you don't tend to it, it's uh, it becomes that becomes the example to the church in a negative way. Yeah, and I mean my experience, again from growing up through today, has been when I'm when I'm really tired from work when I've been overwhelmed and there's a lot going on there's a lot of heavy things to carry into prayer and counsel a lot of decisions to be made um, it, it's really easy to feel like I don't have anywhere to go to rest mm-hmm. and then I want to close my home off mm-hmm. and I want to close my wife off I want to close my kids off mm-hmm. I want to close my front door off I don't want any of that to be open because I need I need some space to mentally go be somewhere else mm-hmm. you know um, and that that's a challenge because that that's the opposite direction, I think, of the pastoral heart mm-hmm. toward the church. Um, so that's that's also that's always yeah. a, a tough a tough balance. Yeah, you know. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I mean, in general, too, I would say our 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 church. I'm thankful has done a good job of showing their thankfulness. For Colette and has recognized, I think, the unique position that pastors' wives are in. Yeah, and not just Colette in particular, but you know, where what pastors' wives—they've just been sensitive to how she's doing and care for her. And maybe, maybe they're just being good members. Yeah, to her as a good member, and it has nothing to do with that. Um, yeah, but I definitely haven't felt like she's at our church, you know just been asked to go up there and get in the front and lead us and serve and right. think of her as like a staff member. Right. You know. Yeah, that's the same at our Not church. That that's how they think about staff members either, yeah. but you know, but that there's um there's genuine love and care there because I've I've seen and heard many stories of pastors wives growing really bitter toward the church. Yeah. And not want to go. Yeah. And not want to not wanting their husband to be pastors. Yeah. Um, and I know Colette's felt things like that where, you know, it's been like, this is a lot. Yeah. Another life would be. Well, and two, I think, you know, there's an underestimated that it, that's not even necessarily something that church is doing to her, but something that is in between the church and the pastor. You know, there's times mm-hmm. of struggle in ministry. There's times where it's really good in ministry sure. and it, it ebbs and flows. But yeah. Um, that I, you know, I think there's times where the, the pastor comes home with heavy burdens uh, maybe frustrations even. And as the wife is supporting him, it's it's difficult because he might go back to work the next day and be able to work through a lot of those issues and come out better on the other side. But where was her therapy for that? 
mm-hmm. right? Like mm-hmm. it, it wasn't there. So she's kind of left with a lot of the, the brunt of the, of the frustrations, but not as much mm-hmm. of the joys. And mm-hmm. so I think, you know, if there's been anything, uh, I don't want to speak necessarily for Andrea, but I think, you know, that would be one criticism of me that she would probably have would be that if I'm frustrated, it it's kind of apparent, but if I'm excited or happy, it's not as apparent. Right. And yeah. like, so I may, I may be really mad about something and then get over it the next day. And, but, and while I made her feel the anger that I felt for that thing. And so now she's angry about that thing. I didn't let her know of the resolution to that thing and that, and let her share in that joy. Right. And, and all of that was me trying to do my best to kind of like shelter her from a lot of the problems or things like that. Mm. And, but then unintentionally not actually let her see the the good side too. And so I think Mm. from that relation, it's most of that you know, tension toward the church can come, I'm not exclusively, but can come, I think, from the relationship between the pastor and his wife and and the level of communication that's there, you know, is, yeah. well, you know, he, he come home and he's he's exhausted and tired and he has patience for everybody at work and, and no patience for the people at home, you know, because he's exhausted yeah. it. And, and yeah. then, but then when things are good, we don't really get to see that part. So we only see the bad part. We don't actually get to see the good part. And so yeah. it kind of breeds that, you know, per- perpetuating bitterness toward the church, I think, you know. Oh, absolutely. And I, I, I like I said, it's my whole life. I don't know anything different than I've, I've found myself sometimes being envious of people who have a, a job out in the workforce in the world and they go to church and then they go home yeah. and they go to their life group and they go now in a sense that's not church like we live our lives together we we do discipleship but um, when like and, and I think about that for my wife now as well like she never goes to um, when she goes to church she goes to where I work mm. and yeah. where she gives her life her yeah. life too like there's no separation. Yeah. You're you're never not in that atmosphere. Yeah. That mindset that that never turns off. And excuse me, I think that takes a pretty special uh help by the Lord to yeah. bear that life. Yeah. Yeah. And and I think and I think especially for the pastor's wife, because the pastor I think has more I don't think control is the the right word, but the pastor is leading and directing, mm-hmm. and he goes to work and does it all mm-hmm. right, and and is trying to influence and and the wife has to kind of hear about it mm-hmm. and and bear a lot of it and not go to the office next day and do anything yeah. about it at the same time. Like so, there's that kind of dynamic where it you, if I come home and I say. Oh, sweetheart, terrible elder meeting, or man, really hard conversation with this person, you know, blah, blah, blah. and I tell her about my day. She's got to go to church on Sunday with yeah. me. Yeah. You know? But then if you and don't tell her about your day, she's like, well, what's what's wrong? What happened? You know? Yeah. Like, and then she's just yeah, constantly thinking, like, everything's <laughs> terrible, you know? And yeah, we're not, yeah, we're not connected because we don't talk about work yeah, yeah. and it, all those kind of dynamics. Yeah. 
And I find myself going, I don't want to talk about work. Let's talk right. about uh, <laughs> let's talk about the weather or talk about something else, you know, because I just did that for 12 right. hours. Uh, and she's going, oh, really? Because I haven't heard any. any. And, and also the things like one of the funnier things is people just think I tell Colette everything. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So yeah. they'll show up to her church and be like, well, something, something about so-and-so. And she'll be like, no idea what you're talking yeah. about. Yeah. <laughs> like no clue. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I am, and Andrew will tell you this, I'm notoriously tight-lipped about everything. And so yeah. somebody might tell me about a physical ailment they have, you know, and I may pray with mm-hmm. them, you know, and then go home. And then she comes to church, and, you know, later on that day, and the person goes, you know, uh, I guess Michael told you about, you know, I got this going on. Or they'll just say it, <laughs> just assuming that she knows. And she's like, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> And they're like, Michael didn't tell you? And she's like, if you're depending on that man to relay information <laughs> to me, I don't, and now it's even worse. What's even worse is I have, so my kids have made, obviously have friends inside the church with other little kids. And yeah. they're at the stage where they like to, they draw everything. Everybody, everything's a drawing, right? And so yeah. they'll draw things. Some kids in the church will draw things and they'll come up to me and they'll hand me the drawing. And they'll say, this is for Natalie. And, and so then I'm, I'm like, all right, I got, now I got to carry this. I just became a mailman for all the little kids in the church passing drawings back and forth to each other. That's awesome. I'm like, so yeah, but, uh, but, but yeah, well, it's the, fir- the first year that we were married and in ministry, it was a really hard year. The, when I got there, there was no pastor. When the pastor came, uh, there were just some hardships. The church was having some hardships. The, the deacons needed, well, they needed just help. And uh, and I was young. I mean, I'm still young, but I was really young then. And I came home, and I just unloaded on Colette every day, it felt like. All the frustrating things, the things I didn't understand, things I didn't know what to do. The, this is going so bad. I don't know if this is going to get any better. Just unloaded on her. And finally came to realize, I, I can't do this to her. She has to be able to go to church <laughs> and just go to have. She doesn't have the church to go to when her husband's having a hard day at work. Yeah. This has to be her church. Yeah. And um, I have to learn better to care for her. You know, not like I'm protecting her. Like, she's not a strong woman um, and can bear an incredible great deal with the Lord. But being able to say, like, I have to come home and tell her everything. Yeah. And like you said, like, it's a balance between come home and how's your day? Yeah, it's fine. I don't want to talk about yeah. it. We've got to have a marriage. Yeah, like yeah, we, yeah, yeah, yeah. we got to learn, too. we got to talk about things. Yeah. Um, well, yeah, I had this sorry. similar thing, like, early on when things were, you know, a little bit you know, or really frustrating sometimes I would, you know, it was, there was constantly doing the same kind of thing. And, but, but the biggest problem was, is when a lot of things were beginning to look up and there were so many good things happening. I never shared those things. And I just mm-hmm. came home. Yeah. Work was good. And you know, this, that, and the other, but never really, <laughs> and, and would, t- would kind of debrief, but never really tell her about all the things that I'm really excited about and optimistic about, man, this is, this is great. We're doing, this is amazing what we're doing here or whatever. And so I yeah. remember one day we're sitting down at the table having a conversation and, and, you know, she was just really worried about the church, about everything. And I was like, what are you worried about? And she goes, you know, she was like, well, all of these things. And I was like, 
all those things. That was like years ago. This is it's all it's all great, you know. And, she, and so I'm telling her all these good things, and she's like, uh, she's like, well, I've never heard any of these things before, you know, because you forget. Like I feel like she's just as connected to the church as I am, and yeah. and she's not. You know, I'm up yeah. here every day, and I hear yeah. every hear a lot of things anyway, and and so, you know. It, it, there's a there there is a, a bit of give and take there of like we're not trying to protect the wife but in some way we are trying to protect the wife we don't they don't need to know everything uh, the innermost thoughts of everything but they also don't need to know nothing either you know yeah. so you know I think it all it all needs to be balanced and that's a hard balance to strike you know and I think there's a lot of pastors that that burn out because of that because it can get um, really really exhausting you know. Yeah. And especially yeah. if you're the if you're the guy, if you're the only guy, you know, you're the man. Yeah. And, yeah. and it, it becomes you cannot shoulder the burdens of that many people and meet everyone's needs all the time. It can't happen. You know, the mm. only way is for the church as a whole body to be doing the work of ministry and for the pastor to be training and equipping them to do it through the preaching of the word. If there's anything, if it's if it's much beyond that, then it then it starts to get out of balance. And it's not just the pastor's wife; it's everybody, you know, that yeah. is going to end up suffering for it. I, and two, I would say, I, I don't know if I do this well. I probably could grow in this more than I even realize. But there are some sometimes I don't do things on my list or I I go home and call it a day because um I need to give my wife preference. Yeah. And there are some days when I, I ask my wife not to do things and say that maybe that's too much. Maybe peel back. Maybe you don't need you don't you don't need to teach that class if you don't want to. Don't sign up for it. You know? Um because we are doing a lot. Yeah. Because anytime I sign up for something at church, I go do something, our family is affected. Yeah. Anytime she goes and do, then if she goes and does a night for dinner or goes to council or goes to teach or goes to serve somewhere, that's just, that means both of our lanes are church and begins to amplify. Uh, our, our our time and service there, and in, and in many ways, I think that's the richest part of being a, a pastor and having a family. Mm-hmm. It's so rich with service and love and discipleship, and I mean just constant meaningfulness in everything we do. Mm-hmm. You know, me just really meaningful, um, and at the same time, the the chance to go, good grief, that's a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we got to slow down. Yeah, you know, we we just have to have some nights where we don't do anything. Yeah, and not feel guilty that neither of us are doing anything for the church tonight. Yeah, we're just sitting at home. We watch a show, read some books, we'll go to bed. Yeah. We, don't, we don't do anything. Yeah, um, yeah. that's a constant challenge. Yeah, I mean it's a constant challenge for anyone. Sure, um, but I I do think there's a unique dynamic for but I, pastors but and their wives to manage in the way that especially with the way that calendars have overtaken so many families and have led to the spiritual decline and and disenfranchisement of so many families mm-hmm. that the pastor has to be different in that he has to guard his family's calendar. And if he doesn't, he's not setting an example for the rest of the church 
to do likewise, you know? Yeah. And so it's hard to do that because everything is vying for the attention. But I'm telling you right now, like we, we kind of made it a policy in our, in our family. Like if this is going to take away from dinners, you know, at the table every night, then we're going to have to rethink things, you know? Yeah. And so we, we tend to kind of be the sort of the big guy underneath and the basketball floor, you know, kind of like taking up space mm-hmm. under the rim is, is going, this is, this is our, we're going to have dinner every night with our family. Um, my guess is like four out of 10 people understand that illustration you just Probably gave. no one does because everybody's <laughs> jacking up threes nowadays, but, but, but I'm talking about 90s Everyone's basketball, back when basketball was good. <laughs> You're talking about Patrick Ewing. Yeah, I'm talking about Patrick Ewing and, and Michael Jordan. Charles Barkley. And, you know, uh, so, so, you know, but it, it's, it's, uh, it's blocking out uh, time and saying this is our family time. So if it comes to sports, then sports are going to take a back seat. We're not just – we're just not going to do that. Like we've made a decision, you know, when it comes to – our kids got involved in baseball over one summer and it started taking up a lot of our calendar. And some nights were starting to be affected in dinners. And we were like, guess what we're doing? We're doing Taekwondo now, you know? And the kids were like, we want to do baseball. And, and I was like, well, you're doing Taekwondo. So, you know, uh, I'm glad that you like baseball, but you know, that's just, it takes up too much time. And it, it was a, it was a, it was a calendar issue. Yeah. We want to have dinners together every night as a family. And we're just not going to do anything that compromises that. And so if there's sports come in, they say, well, we want to practice at this time and you want to take your kid to this time. And we're, you know, spread out all over the city every night. It, it, then we're just not doing that sport. And our, guess what? Our kids yeah. are, are not going to be professional athletes. I mean, that's just, I, you, we knew that just from looking at me. All right. Just from looking at myself in the mirror. And if these kids are genetically connected to me in any way, they are not going to be professional athletes. So we're just not doing it. I mean, my son said at the table the other night, we were going around, what what kind of job would you like to do one day? And uh, one of my sons just flat out said, I am going to start playing football. I am going to go to college and play college football. And then I'm going to play in the NFL. Yeah. And you and Colette were like, no, you're not. (laughs) That's what you were thinking. (laughs) You didn't say that because you want to encourage him. But in your head, you were like, no, you're not. Yeah. Yeah. But honestly. Well, I was thinking the odds are low. But honestly. (laughs) For sure. So much of the, uh, this is not even just about pastor protecting his family or anything like that. It's really about people in the church, not only protecting each other, but protecting their families as well. How do we how do we do that well where where Christ is actually honored in our families and and it and it really comes down to what we allow into our home and what we what we don't and what we block out you know mm-hmm. and so much of that is busyness and and mm-hmm. you know information and all kinds of other things that we let into our our homes and into our calendars that all of a sudden we look up and we're like well our kids can't even go to church now because they're involved mm-hmm. in everything under the sun. Or, you know mm-hmm. what, our kids you know, are losing a connection to the friends at church, and they're starting to develop you know, friends that are everywhere else, which is fine, but at the same time, they're disconnected from the people at church. Why? Because they're never there, you know? Yeah. And so it just becomes this massive thing that's just overtaken our whole family. And so really, more than anything, this whole thing is really about how do we actually protect our families and allow them to flourish inside the church rather than uh, just kind of leaving them tossing in the wind. And I think a lot of that yeah. is not just the way we manage our work schedule, but the way we manage our home schedule too. 
Yeah, and I think it goes the other way for pastors and their families as well, where, you know, there's potential for churches to think, what, what are they doing? They're, they're out there taking, they're taking piano and they're playing baseball and they're, they're, they're doing all these, you know, they're, they're doing these, they're, they're, are they paying for that? Are they, are they paying for those piano lessons? Are they, are they paying for Taekwondo, you know? And, you know, where's so, where are they today? You know, where's Colette today? Why isn't she at blank? She's at home resting. She took the kids to this thing. She's not at everything. She's not the church, mm-hmm. you know? So that can, that can go both ways. Mm-hmm. And I would say for us, it's probably been the, the latter uh, that I just mentioned is probably the most regular struggle yeah. of, you know, do you feel like you need to be at everything yeah. all the time? For sure. Or are we doing other things too? Yeah, for sure. both. So, yeah. Anyway, well, I'm thankful for Andrea and for you guys' example. I think you guys are doing a good job. I wish I could say the same for you, but you know, <laughs> it's, it's mostly just Colette. <laughs> I'm so grateful for Colette. <laughs> Amen. 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 No, it's good. All right, man. Good talking to you. That's been good. See you next week. listening to the fire and bones podcast if you enjoyed this podcast consider subscribing or following the show on your favorite listening platform so you can be notified every time a new episode is released consider leaving us a generous review if that's an option for you and most importantly share this podcast with someone that you think might benefit from it be sure to check the show notes for any relevant links including our contact information feel free to reach out to us with any questions you might have thanks for listening and we'll see you next time on the fire and bones podcast Thank you.